0: Thank you for listening to this audio recording from the pastoral team at Church of the Redeemer, an Anglican church in Greensboro, North Carolina. If you'd like to know more about Church of the Redeemer, its ministry, or its mission, then visit us online at RedeemerGSO.org. May the words of my mouth be holy and acceptable unto you, O God, my rock and Redeemer. Amen. So over the past few weeks, we have been journeying throughout the book, of Acts. And what we've discovered is that Acts is a book carefully structured by Luke, the author, to do many things. And one of these things is to show how the Spirit of God works in the growing of God's church from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. You know, in Acts 1.8, we read, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And from this point forward, we encounter story after story of how God fulfills God's mission by drawing people to himself and by making them a vital part of the church the body of Christ, the family of God. In our passage this morning, we encounter another story of God going out of his way to draw near to a person who was far, far off and whose life was marked by exclusion. In the middle of nowhere, God draws near to a person that everyone else treated as a nobody. God draws near to an Ethiopian eunuch traveling in the wilderness. And when God draws near, the unexpected happens. God makes room in his kingdom for the Ethiopian eunuch. And through the waters of baptism, the Ethiopian eunuch. A nobody becomes somebody and is made part of the body of Christ, the family of God. Amen. But before we dive into this story in detail, I'd like to draw our attention to a few things. First, throughout the Bible, the mission of God takes place within the story of real people's lives. This means that the stories of our lives matter. And that all the things, all the things that make up the story of our lives matter. In fact, they matter so much that they become part of a larger story, what we call the redemptive story of God. So, one of the things that I want us all to consider this morning is this your story matters to God because you just. As you are, who you are and how you are matters to God. You are worthy of God's love and redemption. Second, each one of us is different from one another. Just look at the person next to you. And the story of our lives, like those in Holy Scripture, are complex which means that our lives consists of many different as well as many connected parts. So as we reflect on the story of the Ethiopian eunuch, I want us to consider how God draws near to us precisely in our difference and exactly in the complexity of our lives. In the midst of who and how and all that we are, God comes for us. And all the stuff that makes up the story of our lives, God comes for us. And at the end of the day, what we discover in the story of the Ethiopian eunuch is how God draws all of our stories in all of their difference more deeply into a shared life together. A life marked by difference, in a way of life in which all of our differences make up the body of Christ. So I invite you to turn with me to Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. So today's story begins with Philip, one of the first deacons, answering the call of God to go south on the road away from Jerusalem to Gaza. So who is this Philip, you might be asking? Well, in Acts 6, we learn that Philip was called to be one of the first set of deacons. And immediately after the stoning of Stephen in Acts 7, the church scatters to Samaria, including Philip. Then at the beginning of Acts 8, we learn that Philip went down to a city in Samaria, and he began to preach Jesus Christ to them. As a result of Philip's preaching and teaching, Simon the sorcerer converts to Christianity, and then the success of the gospel leads Peter and John and the apostles to go there as well. This is extraordinary. It's extraordinary because Philip and the apostles are being carried by God into very unusual places, and the gospel is being received by the most unexpected people, people who were considered abnormal and strange, those whose who society perceived as being out of the ordinary or even unorthodox. Yet for God, these extraordinary people were noteworthy. They were incomparably worthy and extremely significant to God. So the Holy Spirit pushes them toward the Samaritans. The Holy Spirit directs and drives them beyond Jerusalem. And what is happening? God is turning their world upside down and inside out because it is all these unusual people that God is drawing to himself and making a part of his body, the church. And this is true of the Ethiopian eunuch. Now, we don't know the Ethiopian eunuch's name. But what we do know about the Ethiopian eunuch is that this person was of African descent, the first ever baptized. We also know that he is a eunuch who served in the house of Candace, who was the queen of Cush or Nubia, or Ethiopia, depending on which translation you were reading when we were reading Psalm 68, verse 31. Because of where the eunuch is from and what the eunuch's body represents in the ancient world, the Ethiopian eunuch did not fit in with the cultural expectations of what it meant to be a male, what it meant to be a person, or what it meant to be a citizen. But all this matters. Let me explain. You know, the only identity markers that Luke refers to in this story is his ethnicity and embodiment bodily form of the Ethiopian eunuch. The fact that this person is a eunuch from Ethiopia matters. But why? How does this matter? Well, first, the Ethiopian eunuch is described as an Ethiopian, which is to say that where he is from matters both in his day and age as well as in ours because where he is from actually contributes to the story that we're reading about the larger story of redemption. And this is clear throughout Scripture, that the mission of God is a mission of divine embrace of every. Tribe, every tongue, and every nation. So, as I provide more detail about why the ethnicity and the bodily form of this Ethiopian eunuch mattering, I want us to consider this question What does it mean to embrace those different from us for the sake of the gospel? What does it mean to embrace those radically different? From us for the sake of the gospel. The Ethiopian eunuch and the story of this eunuch is a story of God's divine compulsion. The Spirit is driving a disciple where the disciple would not have ordinarily gone. And the Spirit is creating a genuine encounter that without divine desire would not have happened. So what we discover and what we as the church must seriously consider in this passage of Holy Scripture is God's holy and divine intentionality, a holy intentionality that sets the stage for a new possibility of interaction and relationships in the church and in the world. So what does it mean to embrace those different from us for the sake of the gospel, the eunuch is described as an Ethiopian, and the term to describe him, Ethiopian, well, it actually means in Greek, burnt face, and it refers to the dark color, dark skin color of his people. Now, in the ancient world, in, in his day and age the term Ethiopian also referred to people who lived on the fringes of the inhabited world, of the known world at the time. It meant that this person or these people were far off. Or as Acts 1 alludes to, these people were literally from the ends of the earth. So think of it in this way. As an Ethiopian, the eunuch represents those who are geographically as well as ethnically far off. In the second part of this story in Acts, the physical condition of the Ethiopian eunuch is highlighted in verses 34, as well as verses 36 through 39. Now in the ancient world, eunuchs, as I've already said, they represented a less than complete male. And people thought of eunuchs as lacking holiness. If you were to turn over to the Levitical law in Leviticus, or even in Deuteronomy 23, you will read and discover that eunuchs were excluded from the assembly of the Lord, which means that eunuchs were not able to participate in temple worship, and they were excluded from full embrace into Israel's community, the people of God. So as a eunuch, this person is also religiously far off. Finally, in this world, fatherhood was held up as an ideal. Since eunuchs could not marry and reproduce, the place of the eunuch was perceived as one outside the household as well as the family. You know, in that culture, and even in some cultures today, to have a loyal wife who bears children and maintains a well-ordered household is a core component of perceived masculinity. So those who could not do so were all the more outsiders. They were caught in an uncertain space outside the socially accepted gender roles. They were set apart from the ideals related to masculinity and sexuality. And even though it was common to find eunuchs in positions of political importance, as we see in this passage, they were among the most scorned and stigmatized members. society. So as an Ethiopian eunuch, this person is not only ethnically and geographically far off, not only religiously far off, but also socially excluded from many of the communal spaces in which he lived. But in the midst of all of this, in the midst of all that this Ethiopian eunuch represents, in all the stuff that makes up the story of his life, God draws near. No matter how far off this person is, ethnically, geographically, religiously, socially, sexually, pick your word, God draws near. God draws near. We see in verse 29 through 34 how God does this. The Spirit says to Philip, go over to the Ethiopian eunuch's chariot and join it. So Philip ran. He runs up to it and he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. And so he asks, do you understand what you are reading? And the eunuch replies, how can I unless someone guides me? And so he invites Philip to get in and to sit beside him. Now, as a side note, I find this very interesting, particularly the Ethiopian eunuch's response to Philip and why and how it's recorded in Holy Scripture. In fact, I would argue we could do an entire sermon series on the implications about that one line response of the Ethiopian eunuch to Philip. Don't worry, I'm not going to bait and switch you now. But I do want to highlight two things about the Ethiopian eunuch's response. Philip asked this question, do you understand what you're reading? And what does he say? How can I, unless someone guides me? Here's the first point with respect to this side note. The reading of Holy Scripture must always bend toward the communal. Reading and discerning and listening and responding to the word of God in community leads to a greater understanding of what God is up to in our lives. You were not created to read the Bible alone. You were not saved to be a part of something, to be an individual within the larger body. We are a community and we must read and discern and pray together and share in our learning and study and discerning together and in our responding together. So the reading of Holy Scripture must always bend toward the communal. Second, the Ethiopians' uh, eunuch's response to Philip's question with this question, how can I unless someone guides me? It actually opens up the channel God was chasing after. The relationship is open and boundaries are crossed. He invited Philip to get in and to sit beside him. Now, the passage of the scripture that he was reading was Isaiah 53. This is what it reads. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb, silent before its shearer. So he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. It's at this point that The eunuch asks Philip, about whom, may I ask, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? And then Philip begins to speak. And starting with this scripture, he proclaims to him the good news about Jesus Christ. I believe that the Ethiopian eunuch asks the right question. One that is almost like a prayer that God will answer. Could it be that the Ethiopian eunuch wants to know if Isaiah might be talking about him? Isn't this amazing? The eunuch is reading about Jesus Christ, the suffering servant of Isaiah 53, who had been slaughtered and sheared, pierced or cut, and how he remained silent while afflicted with pain, and how he suffered injustice and humiliation. Perhaps the eunuch identifies with the suffering servant. You know, these experiences were very familiar to the Ethiopian eunuch. Like the suffering servant, the eunuch had lived a life of humiliation and had been denied justice in many areas of religious and political and social life. I would argue that the eunuch understands the physical, emotional, and the social experiences of the suffering servant of Jesus Christ. But perhaps God also identifies with the eunuch. Perhaps God in the person of Jesus Christ, the suffering servant, understands the physical and the emotional and the social experiences of the Ethiopian eunuch. I believe this to be the case, that God in flesh, Jesus Christ, identifies with the eunuch. And what we discover here is that even when you can't identify with Jesus Christ, he can identify with you, especially in your suffering. In the cross of Christ, God, who took on our humanity in the womb of the Virgin Mary, suffers with us and for us. In the cross, the suffering that was the consequence of human sin becomes the means of human salvation. In the cross, human suffering becomes an instrument of divine love. Yet as the resurrection proclaims loud and clear, God the Father did not reject or abandon Jesus after all. Neither does God reject or abandon us when we suffer. Our suffering, far from meaning that God doesn't love us, actually means the opposite. When we suffer, God the Father is treating us the same way he treated his son, Jesus Christ. So please hear me, sisters and brothers. No matter how much suffering you are enduring in this season of your life, The Messiah is in our midst. Even when you can't identify with Jesus Christ, he can identify with you. So let me just say this loud and clear. If you are suffering right now of anything, please do not hesitate to come and talk to me or any of our clergy this morning. You matter. Your suffering matters. And there are people here this morning who would be more than willing to sit and listen to you, to be present with, to, and for you, to pray and walk alongside you in this season of your life. You matter. Perhaps the eunuch identifies with the suffering servant, and perhaps God identifies with the eunuch I believe they do now what we see next is in what seems like a matter of seconds God makes himself known to this Ethiopian eunuch and through confession and through the waters of baptism the eunuch is made part of the body of God in an everlasting way Isaiah 56 You see, in Isaiah 56, our Old Testament lesson this morning, the prophet Isaiah envisions redemption for eunuchs. In the restoration of God's people, eunuchs would be brought within God's house and given a name, get this, a name greater than sons and daughters. In fact, God says it stronger. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. God's embrace of the eunuch. And a foreign eunuch at that shows the promised age of restoration has begun to dawn here in Acts 8. Now the body of God will be seen where no one would have ever imagined or dared to look at the place of humiliation and pain on a eunuch's chariot where a Jewish man and an Ethiopian eunuch is sitting side by side reading Holy Scripture together. Philip and the eunuch are in that kind of strange new unknown that surrounds divine presence, where God comes and a surprising new follows, such that no one in Israel had ever seen. So, the strange and the new route by God will now bind together Philip and the eunuch in a new way of life, of belonging. And what we discover in the story of the Ethiopian eunuch of Acts chapter 8, is that in God's kingdom, the criteria for inclusion and belonging among the most honored of God's people changes. In Acts 8.35, Philip responds to the eunuch, and he interprets the suffering servant's identity by proclaiming the good news about Jesus. And upon hearing the good news concerning Jesus Christ, the eunuch responds with one of the boldest questions in all of God's word that the church then and now must wrestle with. What is to prevent me from being baptized? Can anyone withhold the, bat, the water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we? This is a question that will be asked in Acts 10 when many Gentiles, through Cornelius' baptism and others, are baptized here's the point divine love knows no limits divine love knows no limits he commands the chariot to stop and both of them philip and the eunuch they went down into the water and philip baptizes him and when they came up out of the water the spirit of the lord snatched philip away that's another sermon The eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. The unexpected happens. And so the story of our text raises the issue clearly. Who is worthy to be baptized? An Ethiopian eunuch, that's who. The last person in the world one would expect to be baptized, that's who. And to whom should we, the church, offer this sacrament of baptism today? Church, let the Ethiopian eunuch be our guide. Who are the last and the least people in the world that we are called for the sake of the gospel to share the good news and baptize today? People who are religiously, socially, politically. Sexually pick your word. Far off. Divine love knows no limits. And God makes room in his kingdom for the Ethiopian eunuch. And again, through the waters of baptism, a nobody becomes somebody and is made a part of the body of Christ, the family of God. Amen. So if we can imagine, here's the here's the amazing thing here. It's all amazing, but if we can just imagine for a moment that after the eunuch continued reading Scripture after his baptism, because he's reading Scripture before his baptism, he's three chapters away from what? 54, 55, 56, what we read in our Old Testament lesson. He most likely would have come across Isaiah 56. He was only three chapters away before Philip showed up. And whenever he would have come to that passage, he would realize that he is the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. This is a sheer miracle. A miracle full of the grace of God. That God in his immeasurable grace offers the eunuch, an outsider, the opportunity to become an insider and the eunuch seizes it. He is now fully a part of God's covenant people. Although he was far away and cut off in so many ways, he is no longer cut off from the family of God, the community of faith, the church, and the kingdom of God. Through baptism, his body is transformed. His physical impairment is given new meaning, and his stigma no longer represents exclusion. He is included. He belongs. He matters. And what we see is baptism restores his true identity. And it determines his acceptability first before God and then others. So in this story, the true healing is restoration to the community. Right relationship with God and God's people, the church. In the body of Christ, God clearly says to us this morning, there is room for a eunuch. God welcomes the eunuch into the body of Christ where he is honored among others and will function in accordance to the gifts that this eunuch will receive from the Holy Spirit. The impossibility of this event is made possible. By the unbelievable reach of God's grace. And many of us here today have experienced the unbelievable reach of God's grace. Here lies the key to this story. It is also the key to salvation for you and for all who gather with you in this church week after week. Like the Ethiopian eunuch, you matter. Your story matters. And God desperately desires to draw you and your story into his story. This is the witness of the gospel. Now, as I conclude, I just want to offer some food for thought for our life together here at Redeemer in light of this passage. (laughs) Excuse me. Earlier, I mentioned. How the story of the Ethiopian eunuch is a story of divine intentionality. How the Holy Spirit is carrying the apostles and the disciples into places they would never have ordinarily gone. What might this mean for us? What might this mean for us when it comes to our interactions and relationships? What is necessary for us to continue to cultivate the type of community that welcomes the differences we perceive in those new and strange to us? As a side note, next week, Jason Myers will help us think through these questions, and you will not want to miss the word that our great God has given him concerning these things. It's the only time in a preaching team meeting where everyone unanimously clapped and was unanimously convicted. So stay tuned for next week and come back. Sisters and brothers, may we like Philip in Acts 8 answer the call and join God's feverish desire for everybody and all of creation. For such desire will never be abated It will never relent because it is a consuming fire. Let the eunuch be our guide and let Philip be our guide. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.